Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Hello, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, and I'm joined by Ivory Johnson. Ivory is the Director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging at ChartHop, a data analytics company that specializes in people data, from payroll and demographics to performance and engagement. Ivory, thank you so much for joining me today. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Me too. Um, So from what I've learned about you, you have a really big background in diversity and inclusion. And I was wondering from your experience, like what has been the most effective way to build diversity inclusion efforts in companies? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think more recently, like over the last two years, especially after what happened over the, the summer at the beginning of the pandemic, right, with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so forth, it became um, diversity and inclusion came to the forefront of every company's mind. And I think prior to that, diversity and inclusion was like, okay, so this is something we need to do, but you didn't really see the true buy-in that we needed to actually get the work done. So I think in order for diversity and inclusion efforts to be able to be developed, scaled, and actually efficient, you need that buy-in. You need leadership to be invested in the work. You need them to be held accountable to this work as well. So like one thing I seen recently, like a couple weeks ago, was Salesforce began linking all their DEIB goals to their executives' pay, which provide some type of accountability for executives to be leaned into this work, especially around representation, retention, but also ensuring that we are creating creating an equitable place for everyone. So that buy-in is going to be key. Also, we have to be intentional about the work. Most of my experience has been on the recruiting side of things, but we have to be intentional about what communities we're actually going out to to find talent. We have to go out there to and, and chatting with folks from all different backgrounds. I think sometimes what we do is we actually start with thinking about, okay, we need to hire. Let's hire from McKinsey. Let's hire from um, Harvard and things like that to ensure that we are, we're bringing in candidates that look like our team. But actually what we need to do is bring in candidates that are different, that have different experiences, um, different perspectives. So that way we can continue to be innovative. Um, so I think that's where we missed the mark. So I think those are like the two things that are actually going to be key to scaling a lot of these efforts. Yeah. And so do you have any advice for people who aren't in a hiring manager position or in the C-suite level on how to um, make their efforts for DE&I less performative and more like genuine and thought through? Yeah. Yeah. I would say like DE&I can be done at any level, right? So I started doing this work as a specialist at Google and I was able to get the ear of head of um, non-tech recruiting there and really talk about like, what are some of the gaps and, and what are the things that we're missing and getting the, their buy-in. I think all it takes is speaking up and saying something. I think when it comes to this space, there's a lot of uncomfortability around it, right? Because that what goes into it is addressing biases that we never want to talk about, talking about racism and things like that, right? No, no one really wants to talk about it because it's uncomfortable, so I think it really takes being able to speak up, say something, and getting the right people in the, in the rooms to be able to hear exactly what those gaps are. I think we're in a place also where diversity and inclusion is so important to 
candidates to employees as well. So from a recruiting and retention perspective, it is the number one thing that we are seeing that really is going to draw candidates to your workplace. So leaders are going to have to start really thinking from an inclusion perspective in order to even keep their teams, make sure that their teams are happy and and so forth. So I think as long as you can speak up and say something, that's really where it starts. Yeah, I totally feel that. You mentioned a little bit earlier in our conversation how like with the events that happened at the start of the pandemic and just kind of going forward have influenced a lot of people's efforts for DE&I kind of from within the company, like within your company standpoint. How do you think like the strain of being remote and not being able to necessarily see your coworkers in person, how do you think that has affected belonging in the workplace? Yeah, I think like prior to the pandemic, we were all trying to figure out how do we bring in remote employees into conversations, into events and making them feel included, right? And I think that was hard for us to think about even when we were in office. Now that we're all remote, it's still something that's hard to really navigate is how do we meet people where they are, give them the experience that they're looking for that will still provide that same feeling as if we were in person. And I honestly don't think no one has cracked the code. We're all still trying to figure it out. But I, I think the the one thing that we all have to do is just be open to trying and failing. And we may get it wrong, but if we keep trying, you'll figure it out, right? And I think we, we'd we rather ignore it and never try because we're afraid of the failure than trying and failing and keep trying, right? So it's, it's definitely affected COVID-19. A lot of the things that happened over the summer has definitely affected workplace in general. And I think there's more of a spotlight on what employers should be doing to bring people together. How do we do it in an intentional way? How do we make sure that we are inclusive to everyone and also balancing work-life balance in the same breath? So those are a lot of things to think about, right? Yeah, there are a lot of a lot of different balls to juggle <laughs> and you can't let any of them drop to the ground. For sure. <laughs> so from, from your experience at ChartHop, what sort of um, initiatives have been successful and what has missed the mark? Like, what do you recommend for people? So I've been at ChartHop for three months now, so I'm pretty new to the organization. But some of the things that I've been trying to do is, um, one, like we have some ungoverned ERGs. And really, ERGs are where the community pieces of an organization really take place. Um, and without those, I think a lot of employees feel like they, they aren't able to connect with folks that are outside of their department that look like them and things like that. So those those ERGs really bring people together to talk about community, also being able to have someone that maybe comes from a similar background or looks like you and you can share certain experiences and learn from each other, right? So I think those things organically happen in those spaces. And it's something that was lacking at ChartHop. It's something we thought about, we just never knew like how to actually go about structuring it and bring it together in an intentional way um, that didn't feel like we were pushing employees to do so. So we're in the process of really creating some structure around what ERGs can look like? How do we organically create community in a way that is intentional, but also going to give our employees what they need right now? So like ERGs is the, the first thing that we're thinking about. We're also trying to think about like, how do we educate our employees on things that are happening around the world and cultural differences? I think one of the gaps when it comes to this space is we just don't know what we don't know. And I think that's where maybe some of these biases come in is because we don't know what other people outside of our own 
background and circles are actually like. I was actually on a call the other day and um, someone said, you know, I've traveled the world. So I was able to experience what it's like living in India and living in Japan and being immersed in these different cultures. And it was so amazing and it opened my eyes. But a lot of people don't get the same luxuries to do that. So how do we bring that knowledge to our employees to kind of fill those gaps so they understand what other people may be feeling, right? So we celebrated Holly last last week, right? I think it was last Friday. And one thing that I really wanted to do was bring us to the forefront of what it actually is, like educating our employees that may have never even heard of these things because we we only know like what US holidays are. So how do we how do we continue to educate our employees on some of these things? So when I came to Chart Hop, those are like the two big things for me is really bringing that educational piece so our employees know like what's happening globally so that you can understand what other people from different walks of life are experiencing and, and how you can be more inclusive to those folks as well, but also really thinking about community too. That's awesome. From the recruiting side of things, how do you go about showing your like educational initiatives and, and the DEI initiatives for, for potential employees? Yeah, honestly, I'll be, I'll be honest. That's something I really struggle with, right? Because I feel like especially when everything was happening with George Floyd and all those events over the summer, a lot of companies came out like, yes, we stand with Black Lives Matter. Yes, we are inclusive. Uh, Black History Month, right? But then when you looked inside the organizations, they were still having issues with discrimination, with bias still creeping in. Their executive team is completely white and those things. So it's like, if we look at your organization, how to, how are we going to see ourselves? How are we going to actually see that you are as inclusive as you're saying, and that you do stand with us and that you are actually making change and just not that it's a promotional or marketing tactic, right? So one thing that I struggle with is how do we do this in a way that actually shows what our culture is and what we're actually committed to and how we're walking the walk and we're just not talking it just to say that we are, we're not actually doing it. So we've been very intentional about that from a marketing standpoint is we don't want to go ahead and go out on LinkedIn or on any social channels and say, Hey, we are we are um, in support of this and this, and here's some of the things that we're doing. If we haven't created the foundation to ensure that everyone from that community is included, right? So those are some things that we're still working through right now. Like we're working through talking about what inclusion means, how we can be more inclusive in our workplaces. Where we actually, um, and this month is Women's History Month. We were able to partner with Google to do the I Am Remarkable workshop and bring it to our employees. And we've had half of our workforce go through it. And it's really opened a lot of our eyes to say, like, okay, like we need to empower ourselves, but we also need to empower everyone around us, especially women and especially people of color. So how do we do those things? How are we more mindful of some of the things that we're doing in our processes and even the way that we're speaking? So we're trying to do a lot of internal work within ourselves, but also inside the company. And then we can begin to say like, here, here's how our journey went. And here's some of the things that we were able to do. So we're just trying to be a little bit more intentional about it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really like showing and not telling people that you care about things. And and it's, it's really intentional. That's really nice to hear. We're trying for sure. Yeah. And that's the whole point. If you're not putting the effort in, you're not going to make a change. Exactly. Exactly. I'll say like, I'm very thankful to have a CEO like Ian. So Ian, I remember my first conversation with him, he was just like, this this topic has been on my mind for a while. And the the fact that we're only 190-something employees and they've hired someone in this space is just speaks volumes, right? Like I've never seen a company that was two years old and had 100 employees that were thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion this early. So 
having the buy-in of the CEO, having the buy-in of the entire executive team coming in has been so refreshing. And it's actually propelled a lot of the work that I've been trying to do over the last three months. So it's been it's been a great time at ChartHop for sure. That's fantastic. And I know we kind of touched on like what your your plans and your goals are for right now. What are you thinking about in the future? Like what are your longer term goals for DEI at ChartHop? So like right now we're, we're thinking about more foundation, right? But I think in the future, like my goal personally is any organization that I join, I want to make them the most inclusive workplace in the world. And I think at ChartHop, we can definitely do it. Even within our product, it's so interesting to see ChartHop only two years old and we're also we're already thinking about product inclusion. And usually that comes in later in the stages and we're already talking about it. I'm already being pulled into conversation about these things. So I really want to help the organization build a solid foundation around education, around bias, around around some of these things. So that way, we are ensuring that we're creating this company that we're actually that we actually feel like everyone can belong and then be able to create a ton of programming around it right so like when we think about the tech industry the representation of women is lacking the representation of people of color are lacking so how do we start earlier with maybe K through through 12 and really getting them more interested in tech um, and I think that's maybe something we can do at ChartHop too, right? So investing in some of these programs, investing in more uh, Black women on boards, and how do we and how to and how do we invest there and 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 really invest in that in that community too? But also even shifting our our gears to think about who are who are the population of people that are that are the most underestimated or underrepresented. I automatically think about like outside of race. We think about felons, right? That when you get out of jail, it's so hard to find a job. So how can we bring folks like that back into the workplace? How can we think about the older generation that may have retired but wants to come back to work and maybe there's a gap in their skill set? How do we bring them back into the organization too? How do we think about people that may have a diverse ability? How do we create an inclusive environment for them too to be able to perform, be able to feel included, and be able to talk about the things that they actually need to be able to be supported throughout the process? So those are like some things that I think about that I think we can definitely do at ChartHop, but it actually starts to going back to it starts with going back to the foundation of things. And it seems like the foundation for inclusion, especially, is just remembering that. The, the people around you are people. So what does the fact that human resources deals with the human, what does that mean to you? When I thought about human resources a long time ago, I thought about administrative because that's all we all talked about was HR is the administrative part of um, the company. However, I think HR is the place where we can bring the humanization to an organization. So we can talk about different personality types. We can talk about like how introverts differ from extroverts. So we can really talk about how our people are feeling and and really bring that to to think about like how we are relating to each other, how we can collaborate more effectively. So I think the human resources piece of well, I guess the human part of human resources is around how does humans actually interact within the workplace and how do we do it in a way where everyone feels like they can actually be human? Um, and I think sometimes when we think about coming to work, we have to either change our voices for some folks, right? We have to dress up. We can't really be our complete self. So how do we allow someone to be authentically them, be human, and then come to work and feel like they can actually do that? So I think that's where HR comes into play. But I think, I honestly think that's where DEI kind of bridges that gap and really helps to have that conversation. Because I think over time, HR 
has become the police, the bad police. And and even I've been hearing a lot that HR operates more for the company than for actually the people. So how do we how do we change that narrative and how do we and, and how do we actually show up for our people in a way that is genuine? So kind of in the same vein, just about how human resources is supposed to help the people and COVID-19 obviously put a strain on that. What would you say over the past two years or even farther back, like a piece of advice that has made you a better leader? Honestly, um, the best advice that I ever have ever received is just be yourself. I think I was also a person that that didn't feel welcomed coming into an organization, right? So I am Black. I'm a woman and I'm also a lesbian, um, but I'm also a masculine presenting lesbian. So it's definitely something that you don't see very often in corporate America. Um, so I felt like I had to change my voice to sound more feminine than I actually am. I actually felt like I had to dress more feminine to, to fit in and, 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 and really not be so underestimated. One, I think my time at one company right out of college they're like, is this really you? Is this really how you show up? And I was like, no, this isn't this isn't me. I show up because I think this is how I'm supposed to. And they said, you know, just be yourself. At the end of the day, if a company doesn't like who you are, you sh- they don't deserve you. You need to find the place where you actually feel like you can belong, where you feel like your voice is respected and heard. And once you find that place, I guarantee you it'll change your entire career. That's really what inspired me to say, like, okay, I need to show up as myself. So I began coming to work in a suit and um, not feeling like I had to be so feminine, trying to change my voice back to how I normally talk. So that way I didn't have to code switch every time I walked in a room. And also just speaking up and saying what's on my mind. So that's one thing that really stuck with me to this day. And and I refuse to to be anyone different than actually who I am. That's fantastic. And I, it's, it's so hard to kind of deconstruct these rules that either society's made or that you've made. I'm in a similar boat. Like I have slowly started to speak more at my natural tone. (laughs) I totally get that. It's, and then I'll say like, it's hard for years. I've been changing my voice to sound like very feminine. I think like, like my partner recently told me like, every time you get on the call with this certain person, your, your, your voice, it pops up. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I never realized that. So now I'm more intentional about it. Right. So it's like those things. It's definitely hard to change, but. That's really, that's really good advice. Thank you so much for that. Of course. Of course. Since we're winding down on time and this is airing on a Friday, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Honestly, I'm just looking forward to spending more time with my family. So I live with my partner and um, our teen and I just can't wait to enjoy more time with them. I think I spend so much time during the week working and thinking about how I can show up for other people. I also want to be present with my family, right? So like this weekend, we're going to spend some time, maybe go to the park, have a picnic. My teen is actually getting ready to try out for cheerleading next week. So maybe doing like some practicing with her in the park too. So That's so exciting. Yeah, I just like to wind down on the weekend, spend really close time with my family too. And that um that covers most of my questions for today, unless you have anything else that you want to add. I'll say like one other thing that really comes to mind was I always thought being in this space, especially as a leader, being empathetic was something that was not welcomed. And I realized that empathy is one of the best powers or best superpowers that you can actually have in this space, especially as an HR leader or a leader in general, because then you can understand what it's like to walk in someone's shoes. 
you can provide compassion. And through that, you can forge emotional connections. You can sense challenges. You can identify opportunities for change. And that's where the belonging and the inclusion starts. If anyone listening, if you can be more empathetic, practice empathy, I think that will help along the way. Thank you so much, Ivory. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.